Good morning. Oh, thank you very much. Good morning. Is that better? You know, Jesus never had to deal with that kind of stuff. How come we have to? <laughs> you know, I don't know how he preached to 5,000 people and they all could hear him. He must have had a booming voice. Have you ever thought about that? Must have been. Wow. Or the acoustics was really good up on that mountain, right? All right. Hey, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. And chapter 4, and hold them, hold them in readiness. We're going to read some of these uh, notes of encouragement. Got some good ones here. Uh, again, Logan, you're a rock star. Don't leave. Wait, come up here. Come on. Come on. Logan's receiving his uh, word of encouragement. Come here. So that Emma doesn't... Emma's tired, you can tell. She, she needs a little break. Okay. So Logan, Mr. Logan, thank you for teaching me about God. Braxton says, or Ty says... Your message was awesome. How many think he's a great preacher? Uh -huh. There you go. Good job. Now you may be excuse. <laughs> That'll teach you to get out of your seat, right? <laughs> All right, Emma, I'm going to need your help. Scott, lessons you have prepared for Bible class are so full of biblical principles and content. Thank you for sharing what you have learned with me. I am learning so much from your study. And I am too. And Angie says, thank you. Rick, thanks for your encouragement last Friday morning. I really enjoyed the time and it was a great way to start my Friday. I appreciate you, brother. And uh, I came in a little little slow on the draw, I know, but uh, it was great to spend some time talking with you, being encouraged by you. Jeff, Sharon, so thankful for your hard work on the building. Very grateful for your wanting for your wanting uh, something, something it right so it will last. Oh, uh, wanting to do it right so it will last. Your hard work is truly a blessing to the congregation and shows your love uh, for others through your sacrifice. And we have a fan now in the guy's bathroom. Thank you very much, Jeff. There you go. Really? Okay. So you're going to have to get an upgrade on the preacher here one of these days soon. You're making the building so look nice. Same about changing my hairdo. What do you think? What do you think? Mullet. Oh, yeah, mullet. I only got three hairs, so which one will I choose for the mullet? All right. Misty and Jose, it's great to see you this morning. I'm so glad that you came once again. And a special shout-out to Misty. Uh, I was so blessed by your note of encouragement. Thank you uh, for being an awesome encourager. Appreciate you being here this morning. All right. Scott Kirkpatrick, you do an amazing job of taking care of so many details that makes our assemblies go smoothly and make messages available to those online. Your example blesses many of us and builds up the body. And you have to know that there are many people that aren't able to make it that watch. And so sure to appreciate you. There you go. All right, here we go. Jeff Drillinger, faith in the working of God. Believe God and hope against hope. Thank you for your steadfast example and encouragement. Amen. Let's give it up for Jeff. How many think Jeff's a good preacher? Well, that was kind of weak sauce. How many think Jeff's a good preacher? <laughs> Wow. Okay. 
wish I would have written this one. There's even a little heart afterwards. You know, that's not my style, but uh, I just love this lady so much. She's so amazing. Pam, I'm so glad you're here today. Your presence is joyful and encouraging. I didn't write that, but that's how I feel. Thank you. Let's give it up for Pam. If you don't know Pam, she is so sweet. I'm telling you what. And she would literally give you the coat off of Ken's back to help someone else out. Amen. <laughs> See, and that's why they're married. They're a great couple, right? So anyway, here we go. Uh, Julie, Mrs. Drillinger, mom of Avery. I just added those. Uh, you are such a beautiful mama and the living embodiment of peace and tranquility and giggles too. Fun. I just love it. I added that too. So, okay. Miriam, these are great this morning. Miriam, I really appreciate having you as a sister in Christ. I can say amen to that. Your fun energy adds to every event, and you're a great example of a daughter, a wife, and a mother. Well, I couldn't say that, but you are. Uh, plus, you have a beautiful smile that brings light and joy to all. Woo, that was a good one. I saved the best for last, right? All right, let's give it up for all those. That's awesome. That's great. I don't know about you, but I love doing those words of encouragement. It's really, really phenomenal. Now, a couple of announcements. Uh, Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar, November 5th. The Oregon Ducks have decided not to play football that day because they knew that we were going to do the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. I mean, I love it when the Oregon Ducks want to know when we're having the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar and they decide that is the schedule. They call the NCAA. We cannot do it on November 5th because the Plano Church Christ is doing the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. I know you're going, that's weird. And that was an advertisement. It's kind of a cute play on... Anyway, moving right along, <laughs> there's a planning meeting after assembly today for the many... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen who have been involved in the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar, uh, we made nearly $5,000 last year, which is absolutely tremendous. And so, uh, I, actually, I think we made over $5,000 because people kept buying stuff. This is, this is one of the stuffs without the little ring on it. So this is some, this weighs a ton. This is, this is hardwood maple and uh, welcome, you're all welcome here. But there's a little wreath that my wife makes that I don't know where they're at. So anyway, this is one of a bazillion of really cool holiday stuff. So anyway, you know anybody who likes that holiday stuff, then uh, invite them. What day was it? November 5th. Okay, November 5th. All right, good. Uh, and also, too, uh, there is going to be a... Uh, I'm going to give you an extended weekend coming up. It's called Labor Day weekend, and you're not supposed to do any work. So yeah, that's extended to you as well. There we go. I have all the announcements done. Oh, there will be a Monday night college age group. Any other announcements we need to make? Any birthdays? I don't see any here. Any birthdays? Okay, there we go. Let's grab our Bibles, the book of Ephesians, and chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to ask you a question. How important is the Bible? It's like, it's like air. It's like food. You can't live without it. 
that the, the word of God is the word of life. Jesus calls it the word of life. And you really can't survive this life without it. I just recently heard of a, a gentleman that committed suicide. Very, very tragic. He's a man that had a lot of great things going for him. He was in management, had a wonderful wife, two kids, and the pressure of this life was too much. This was just this last week. I called a brother and he was really upset and remorseful. And it was a, a, a manager that he had worked with and, and respected. And that guy committed suicide. You cannot live without the word of God. If you're living a blessed life and you've never read the word of God, I will share with you that you look at the principles by which your life is guided. They're biblical. The word of God will bless. The principles will bless, whether you're a Christian or not. But when we live our lives for ourselves and for the cultural norms, there is only death in that pot, as uh, uh, Moses would say. So it's important for us to know that the word of God is powerful. Why do we preach the word of God out here? Why do we do a lot of word of God out here? You know, I'm not so good at telling stories every once in a while. Today, there's no stories, I don't think. So, but there's a lot of word of God. So let's, uh, let's read this passage of scripture, look at the title, and then let's begin to build. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility, walk with all humility, walk with all gentleness, walk with all patience, walk as showing tolerance to one another in love, walk as uh, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. As was shared earlier this morning, there's only one body of Christ. There's one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What a beautiful passage of scripture. That's our anchor verse for the next four weeks as we finish this series on the fifth law of momentum, the power of trust. So look at the title of the lesson this morning in your, in your, in your lesson plans, if you would. And I have it listed out. You can go back and do your own study. It says, called into his glory, for unity in one body. So we're making the transition now. We're talking about our life in context to the body, the community, the family of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I would ask that you would help me to articulate the lesson this morning and emphasize those, those passages, those words that have incredible meaning to our life in becoming men and women who are rock solid, men and women of integrity that can be trusted with anything and everything, regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of what's going on in the local community, regardless of what's going on in a particular life, we will stay the course, we will remain faithful, we will be trustworthy, and we will be there for each other. I ask this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. 
Now, we've talked about the glory of God of Lot in this assembly. I have to share with you that becoming or being trusted or being trustworthy is a byproduct of walking in his glory. Being trustworthy actually results from you walking in his glory. The word glory, as you all know, means the magnificent character of Christ. If you walk in the magnificent character of Christ, if you walk in his glory, then you will be trustworthy. So, like I said just a moment ago, if you don't live your life according to God's word, you're living according to someone else's principles, someone else's ideas, maybe your own. And life, sooner or later, is going to get ugly. And I'm really shocked when uh, this young man, who's a part of the church here, shared what happened and he was he just could not go into work on time he called in said i just need to get myself in a good place can you imagine knowing that that man had rejected christ and then decided that he was going to stop the pain of this world stopping the pain of this world does not mean pain will end what a sad and horrible thing and so it's important for us to recognize that the glory of God that God gives to us is so powerful because then we become someone that someone can go to, trusted to share the frustrations and the struggles. How important then we are then to be the light for each other, but the light for those around us. So look at the first point this morning. Called through the gospel to gain would you circle the word gain if you got a writing utensil? Called through the gospel to gain Christ's glory. Christ had a reason for coming, and it wasn't just to forgive you of your sins. Jesus died on the cross bearing your sins, but it wasn't just to, to forgive your sins. More importantly, it was to give you his Holy Spirit. More importantly, it was to give you his Holy Spirit. I remember Jay Wilson coming to Eugene years ago, years ago, years ago. Man, I had hair like you wouldn't believe. And I was skinny too. And it was amazing. I'm amazing now, but in a whole different way, as you can tell. Anyway, so I remember him preaching about, put on your seat belts. Here we're in the church building. There's a lot of people. Put on your seat belts. We're talking to church Christ, right? Put on your seat belts. Put on your crash helmet. I'm going to tell you something. Baptism isn't all about forgiveness. And all of a sudden you hear this. You hear people going, what? What? It was really kind of interesting because he gave a dramatic pause. You know those dramatic pauses can be killer. Baptism isn't all about forgiveness. And you can see some people just kind of get bristly. Well, of course you receive forgiveness in the act of immersion, but that's not why you want to be immersed only. More importantly, since your sins are washed away, you want the empowerment of God dwelling in you the fullness of deity in your body. That's what being a Christian is really all about. So many times in the church of Christ, baptism, you're baptized, good, great, go. And nothing else happens. 
wait a minute, you need to disciple and build and help them understand what does it mean to be a new creation? What does it mean to be a man or woman filled with the Holy Spirit? And what does that actually look like? And what's that going to produce? So this morning's lesson is so critical. This first verse, 2 Thessalonians, let's turn there, will give you a, a really important point in regards to why, why God called you through the gospel plan of salvation. Look at verse 13 and verse 14 of, of chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. You said, we've already read this one. Yes, it's true. But Peter, uh, the apostle Peter said, it's so good to remind people of very important things. So notice what, what, what Paul says. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning. I would add, before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this great salvation, sanctification, and walking by faith that he called you through our gospel. He called you out of darkness through our gospel. He called you out of darkness through the gospel, remember? That your sins were washed away. The past is gone. He's giving you the Holy Spirit. You're raised up now to walk in newness of life. He called you through our gospel that you may gain something. He called you through the gospel so that you may gain something. By that way, that word gain is really an interesting word. It means to abstain by acquiring it, to possess it as your own. Huh? When did you acquire the Holy Spirit? When you were immersed in Christ by faith. Did you believe that your sins were being washed away? God's faithful, they were. Did you believe that you were receiving the indwelling presence of Christ in your body? Yes, you were, because God acted upon your faith. Faith is what moves the hand of God. And so, he says, you were called through our gospel for what reason? That you may gain the glory of the Lord Jesus, that you might acquire the Holy Spirit. You can't do this thing on your own. Now, I told you before as a Christian that I thought about ending it all. I know a lot of people have thought that once or twice in their lives. And I made some of the worst decisions in my life before I became a Christian. I had no hope. But now, in Christ, understanding what he has given to me as a Christian, and now what I can do to change the world, I gained his glory when I was baptized into Christ. I didn't know what that meant. I honestly didn't. But I received the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of glory. Now, I want to take a look at that second uh, passage of Scripture there in this lesson. It says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. Let's turn there. We're really close. I'm just like one page away. It's great. Look, and I want to read verse 9 down through verse 12. Verse 9 down through verse 12. The Apostle Paul is talking to the Christians in Thessalonica, and he says, For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. 
You are witness, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that I was encouraging and imploring and preaching and teaching so that something would happen. So that what? Take a look. So that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. Do you remember what the scripture teaches? That when you're baptized or immersed into Christ, full immersion, that you are buried with him, that you are raised up with him, so that you could show forth his character, walking in the newness of life. And then it says, and you were seated with him, present tense, ascended with him, and seated with him in the heavenly places. You know what Romans chapter 8, verse 20, uh, 28, 29, and 30 says? We know that all things work for good to those who are called according to God's purpose. He goes on and it says, well, I'm going to mess that one up. I can't mess it up. Turn with me to Romans. I could just feel it coming on. Romans chapter 8. It's okay if you giggle because, you know, uh, every once in a while preachers lose their mind for a second. I know some of you think that I've lost my mind, but that's okay. I still love you. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if I've lost my mind. So taking a look at Romans chapter 8, look at verse 28 and following. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, those who God foreknew, he also predestined, predetermined plan to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren and, the, and those uh, and these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. It's already been done. And these uh, whom he justified, he also glorified. You've already been glorified. Because you're seated with him in the heavenly places. You know where that's at. Ephesians 2 and verse 6. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 6 is so beautiful. The first three verses talk about when you and I were just really messed up in our sin, but by the mercy of God, he goes on and says that we were raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. Brethren, I don't know about you, but you and I are in glory. We're in glory. His magnificent character is in us and we dwell in heaven, in Christ, with him, in his magnificent glory. You're saying, I can't see it. Well, you can't see it with these physical eyeballs, but you can see it with the eyes of your heart. You can see it with the eyes of your heart. There's a scripture in here in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1 and verse 18 that if you were to take a look at that a little bit later, like when we talk about our next point, you can actually see with the eyes of your heart the hope that you have in Christ. The amazing glory that you have been given through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And I love the last one. The power, the power to serve God. 
by helping other people see Jesus in you and me. Now, turn the page. Here we go. Page two of our lesson plan. To possess and walk in glory produces unity. To, to, to possess and walk in glory produces unity. Well, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians in chapter 3. Now, do we possess his glory? Yes. Are we walking his, in his glory? Well, that's where the rub comes in. We possess his glory in our body, but we need to manifest his glory. We need to walk in his glory so people can see it and people see who we are. So as we get to the book of Ephesians in chapter 3, here's where it talks about the power, the power, the power that uh, our spiritual eyes can see. Ephesians and chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. By the way, can uh, someone, Brian, I know you have a good, good, big voice. Would you mind reading Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, verse 18 and 19? Could you read that really loud? And listen to the, the riches of his glory. Go for it. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened so you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe these are in accordance with the working the strength of his might. Good. The working of his might in us. And we have the glory of Christ in us through the inheritance, which is the Holy Spirit. There's That's power. Now take a look at verse 14 of chapter 3. Same concept. Paul hasn't changed his tune here. He's building, building, building on how important that is. To see the glory of Christ in you. To know the fullness of glory is in you. If you don't realize it, you can't manifest it. Kind of like what Jeff said, quoting my idea of if you win the lottery, great. If you don't know it, you're still poor. If you know it, but you don't want to get off your lazy couch and go up and get it, you're still poor. Okay? So you have the, all the glory in the world in you, but if you don't know it, you can't share it. You can't use it. So, remember what glory is? The magnificent character of God. Who dwells in you fully? God. Is his character magnificent? Yes. Yes, his, his character is magnificent. And so you have the power to manifest it. Are people knocking on your door? Hey, I was wondering if you want to do Bible study. Hey, they were knocking on Jesus' door. Remember his house was so full, they couldn't even, can I get in? No. Come on, can I get in? No. Okay, I'm going to just tear a hole in your roof. Rip. Okay, I'm in. Bless me, Jesus. I mean, that's kind of how it worked, right? I mean, people were wanting to get in. Are they wanting to get into your house? I'm not being mean when I say that. Jesus was ugly. The Bible says Jesus was physically ugly. There's nothing in his physical appearance that would draw people to him. You know, somebody wants me to get a mullet. I don't think that would help. Three hairs. One hair is a mullet. It's not going to work. One hair on each side, you know, and I got my little crown. It's not going to work. Look, it wasn't his good looks because he didn't have them. It wasn't his amazing muscles. He didn't have those either. It wasn't all the Bible college degrees. 
and the hot car and the multi-million dollar mansion and the swimming pool if you're his friend. You can go enjoy them too. He didn't have any of that stuff. What did he have? The glory of God manifest. And people were knocking down the door to get in. Amen? And we have that fullness of glory in us. But people can't see it. They should. We possess it. Now we need to walk it. So, what does he say here? This passage is so important. Verse 14. This is Paul's prayer. And it's really my prayer as well. It should be all of our prayers. Here it is. Here's his prayer. For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That he, God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory that you, you possess in your body, that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Can you be perfectly compassionate? Yes. Am I perfectly compassionate yet? I'm working on it. I'm a lot better than I used to be but I am not living the perfect Christ-like standard, but I'm aspiring for that. Now, do you believe, stop for just a second. This is not in my notes. I could get in trouble now. If I were perfectly compassionate, and I heard something about you, and I came alongside and I said, Brother Rick, man, I, I love you. I don't know, you seems like you're kind of down lately. And I come alongside, and then you're sharing with me, and I'm very careful. I don't share that with anybody, and I can, I'm helping and encouraging you. That's compassion, isn't it? What's compassion? Come alongside to feel what they feel, and then to help. If I did that consistently for you, Rick, and you did that consistently for me, could we trust each other? Even in the tough times, when we both are that way, could you trust me? Are you kidding me? The compassion, which is the first character of God's glory... And I'm compassionate perfectly, and you're compassionate perfectly. We will trust each other without wavering. There it is. Powerful. Do you see how important the glory of God is in knowing that you have that? There's strength. There's power in that. Power to change a person's life. Power to change your life and the lives around you. Now take a look as we finish this passage in this lesson plan here. It says here, so that, right there, so that, so that you what? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Do you really believe you won the lottery? The spiritual lottery? All the riches and all the blessings in the heavenly places are yours in Christ. Do you believe that? Wow, I'm telling you what, that's what it says right there. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you know what you have in Jesus indwelling you? Study the scriptures every day. Study them every day. If you don't pick up your book, you're not living the life. If you don't pick up the book, you don't know what you've been given and you don't know what you have. I think sometimes when I've preached to audiences, not just here, but in other places, I think they just go, you're not talking about me, man. That's just not who I am. 
you were crucified with Christ. That's just not who I am. You were crucified with Christ. You no longer live. Christ lives in you. Amen? In the life that we now live in the flesh, we live by Christ's faith. Remember faith in the truth? We live by his faith. We manifest his glory. Look, I have not achieved perfection yet. You're saying, duh. It's okay if you say that. I don't want to ask you to repeat after me, but it's obvious. But I do know the power available to us if we read the word and we look for what is the glory of God. What does it look like? And then manifest it. Look at the, look at the next one. He says here, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. You know, if we really go digging deep, digging deep, digging deep, you're going to realize that, and I'm not pointing my finger at you. This isn't me too. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about us. The more you dig on the love of God, the more you find you got to go deeper. You know, I spent over four years over a series of sermons preaching on the love of God, and you know what? I'm finding more. So maybe next year will be the power of love. The reality is, is love is the source, the physical source of God's light. God is light. God is love. What does God look like? What does love look like? Patience. What does light look like? Patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. What does light look like? Kind. What does love look like? Kind. Do you know what kindness looks like? If I'm cruel to you, do you know what cruelty looks like? Sure. If I'm kind to you, do you know what kind looks like? Well, sure. Now let's be kind, like Christ was kind, willing to lay it all down for you and I. Well, let's take a look at this last, this last point, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15. Here's where it all comes together. This really is kind of the conclusion to the lesson. Verse 12. 12 down through verse 15. Does the Bible say that you are chosen and that you are called anywhere? Yeah. A couple places, right? Well, this is one of them. You have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what it says. But here in Colossians, that was Colossians 1.12. Here in Colossians 3.12, down through verse uh, 15, he talks about you being chosen and you being called. Listen to what he says now. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on. Make note, that put on is an amazing word. It'll blow you away. It blew me away when I looked it up. I always thought it just meant, just put your clothes on. You know, put Jesus on. It's a little bit bigger than that. Okay, put on a heart of, are you ready? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, literally putting up with each other, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Wow, we've got to do it just like Jesus. Verse 14, beyond all these things, 
Put on love, which is the, the perfect bond of unity or the uniting bond of perfection. Love is the capstone. Love is the capstone. It makes it all work. If you don't love, you can show compassion, but your compassion is manipulative. I'm going to be nice to you and listen to you and help you. And then, uh, could you help me right here? It's all that, that's, see the, the motive is wrong, but if love is genuine, if the love is the love of Christ, all these other things are real and it impacts people. You ever met someone before? You go, wow, that's a really good guy. Man, he's so neat. He's so awesome. He's so wonderful. And all of a sudden you go, hmm, that, that seemed a little out of character. But, you know, he's a good guy. It's great. No problem. Super good. And all of a sudden, hmm, wait a minute. Hmm. I don't know about you. Have you ever had that before? You have this hmm kind of feeling. Just watch. See, motives will always be revealed down the road. Pure love is going to produce the beauty of God's glorious character. Well, we go on and it says, look at verse 15. The peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were indeed called in one body and be thankful. Did you know we're one body? You and I are one body in Christ. There's only one body of Christ. There's not a million bodies of Christ. There's only one body of Christ. Now, the body means the church. You can look that up. Take a look at, at uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24. It says the body is the church. The body of Christ is the church. Now you're saying, Bill, are you saying that Pleasant Hill is the only church? No, I am not. I'm saying there's only one people who've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Those who have obeyed the gospel by faith and are now walking in the newness of life by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the one church. So I'm not saying that Pleasant Hill is the only church. Some people have accused me of that over the, in the past. Not so much anymore, thank goodness. Did you know the one church doesn't have to have a sign that says Church of Christ on it? Did you know the one church doesn't have to have a sign out front? It's the person that has obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ and has been immersed to be crucified, buried, and raised to walk in the newness of life, having been glorified by him in that act of faith. So is it possible there could be other people who are the church in other churches? It's possible. It's very possible. Only Jesus knows and the person who makes the genuine, faithful commitment to Christ because he knows your heart. He knows your heart. Well, brethren, when we take a look at this one, that word put on, put on, chosen, put on. I want to give you that word. You might want to look it up yourself. It's endomesis. It means built into our lives the interior structures of glory. Let me say that again. That blew me away. I was like, just, oh, just go ahead and put it on. You know, just act like you're compassionate. That doesn't work. Is it possible to put something on and it gets spoiled? I used to wear suits around here when I was working at the, the, the Christian school and, and uh, running downstairs. There's nails all over the place. Watch out for nails sticking out of the wall. I've ruined two suits. Misty's going, Jose is going, where's the nails? 
<laughs> they're, they're everywhere. Just watch out. They're looking for you, especially if you're wearing a suit. There's one. Anyway, so two suits. Now look, putting it on, it can get torn up. But what if it's on the inside? What if it's an, an internal structure inside to put on? Build into our lives the interior structures. And I added, of God's glory. The structures of compassion. The structures of kindness. The structures of love. The structures of peace. I don't know about you, but you build it on the inside and it's just going to radiate. Radiate. No matter what, it's going to radiate. If that's who you are. Possessing the glory of Christ through his spirit who indwells you, we are to put on, build into our lives the interior structures of his glory. Now, brethren, as I take a look at this, we are chosen as holy and beloved, and we are called to unity and peace. If each one of us manifests perfect compassion, if each one of us works on being more kind to the standard of Christ's kindness, if each one of us were to work on the patience that God did and still does have for you, if you were to turn around and have that for others, whoa. Like you are wow. <laughs> See? And forgiving, long-suffering, forbearing, humble, all of those things are the character of God. This is a magnificent character. If you manifest those, you possess them, but if you manifest them, you'll become trustworthy. You want to be trustworthy? Well, of course I want to be trusted. When tough times come, do people need to be trusted? Let's say, for example, everything goes to, you know, wearing a handbasket tomorrow. Have you built in your life that strength and structure of his glory that no matter what is shaking, you're rock solid? I'm not there yet. I know that's where I need to get. And I know how to get there. And so I get up every morning early and I keep studying and keep reading and keep reading. Let me give you a homework assignment. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. But you go look at every passage of scripture on compassion, particularly the compassion of God, the compassion of Christ. You go take a look at that and then ask yourself the question, if I am that compassionate, will genuinely, will people trust me? The Good Samaritan, by the way, the Good Samaritan, you can read that in the book of Luke, the Good Samaritan was compassionate. Do you think that guy trusted him with his life? Absolutely, positively. Did he prove trustworthy? Absolutely, positively. How important is this lesson? How important is this lesson? It's life. We're all going to stand before King Jesus and he's going to say, Come ye, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in, naked and without clothes, and, 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 and you clothed me. And they'll say, 
Lord, when? When, when? when did we do those things for you, Lord? And Jesus will say, remember what he said? When you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You know how essential being compassionate is? Essential. Absolute. You know how essential kindness is? Essential. Absolute. Patient. You see, if we don't grow these character qualities, as Jeff consistently teaches us from 2 Peter chapter 1, if we don't grow these qualities in our lives and increasing, then we will find ourselves to be useless and unfruitful. But we want to be useful and we want to be fruitful in our service to Christ so that I can trust you and you can trust me no matter what the future holds. Amen? I really appreciate you sticking with me. Everybody stayed awake. This is great in this hot uh, box, so I appreciate that. I just pray that we'll recognize the value and the importance of what these scriptures are teaching. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you so much that you've given us of your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much that through him, we possess your magnificent character. Your spirit of glory, he is magnificent. And he's able to do magnificent things through us as we humble ourselves to you in doing your will. I pray, Father, that we would study the word to know your will. We'd study your word to know what true compassion is. Compassion is selfless. Kindness is selfish, selfless. All of those character qualities are selfless. Help us, dear Heavenly Father, to repent and to draw near to you and to live like you and for you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand. Woohoo! What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings, king of kings. All right, let's go do it. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.